Ladies and gentlemen, if you like the Smug Film Podcast, do yourself a favor and head over to patreon.com slash smugfilm, where we've got a bunch of great rewards if you donate to the show. For just $1 a month, you'll get a bonus mini episode of the show every Monday in your inbox, as well as access to all past mini episodes. These episodes will never be available on iTunes or smugfilm.com or anywhere else. The only way to hear them is by donating $1 a month through patreon.com slash smugfilm. For $5 a month, you'll get the bonus episodes, plus we'll do a 30-second plug of whatever you want on one episode a month. Whether you want us to plug your website, your movie, your small business, your Twitter handle, whatever it is, we'll plug it. For $10 a month, you get the bonus episodes, plus we'll do a 30-second plug of whatever you want on every single episode of the show. That's four episodes a month. It's an incredible deal. So once again, that URL is patreon.com slash smugfilm. Head on over there today, and we look forward to your kind donation. And now, on to the show. And now, Smug Film presents Robot Reenactments. Would you describe for me what Marsless Wallace looks like? What? What country you from? What? What ain't no country I know? Do they speak English in what? What? English, motherfucker. Can you speak it? Yes. Then you understand what I'm saying? Yes. Now describe what Marsless Wallace looks like. What? Say what again. Come on, say what again. I dare ya, I double dare you motherfucker, say what one more goddamn time. Now describe to me what Marsless Wallace looks like. Well, he's, he's, black. Go on. And he's, he's, bald. Does he look like a bitch? What? Does he look like a bitch? No. Then why did you try to fuck him like a bitch? I didn't. Yes you did Brett. You tried to fuck him. You ever read the Bible, Brett? Yes. There's a passage I got memorized, seems appropriate for this situation. Ezekiel 25:17. The path of the righteous man is beset on all sides by the inequities of the selfish and the tyranny of evil men. Blessed is he who, in the name of charity and goodwill, shepherds the weak through the valley of darkness for he is truly his brother's keeper and the finder of lost children. And I will strike down upon thee with great vengeance and furious anger those who attempt to poison and destroy my brothers. And you will know my name is the Lord when I lay my vengeance upon you. This has been a robot reenactment. Now, back to the show. Hello, I am the hunky smug film sponsor plug man. I'm here to tell you about the fine people who support the Smug Film Podcast through Patreon. You all should check out Bobby Slow on Twitter, he's a very funny and good man who tweets funny and good things and is worthy of your love. And he has a really good Twitter ratio of followers to following. That's impressive. Once again, that's Bobby, Slow, on Twitter. You should also check out Minor Key Games. Go on over to MinorKeyGames.com and check out these awesome computer games made by David and Kyle Pittman. Two brothers that make great video games with an old school feel. Cody hates new video games for the most part, but he enjoys the heck out of these. Once again, that's MinorKeyGames.com. Also, be sure to check out Room Full of Spoons, Rick Harper's documentary about the cult classic film The Room. It's a great documentary that we all love here as Smug Film, 
and go to roomfullofspoons.com to find out when it's coming to your city. Thank you for listening to my hunky voice, and thank you all who have donated to the show. And if you would like to be plugged on the show, please head on over to patreon.com slash smugfilm and donate. And now, back to the episode. Hello, Smug Film fans. Leave us a question or a comment for Smug Film to play on the show by calling the following voicemail number. 718-395-9711 Once again, that's 718-395-9711 We look forward to hearing from you, you lovely, lovely people. Welcome to the Smug Film Podcast. I'm your host, Cody Clark, with me today, live via Skype. Good to have him back. Been too long. Greg DeLiso. Hey, everyone. Uh, Thanks for having me uh, here. Hi. Hello. Hey, man. I haven't heard your voice in so long. I know. It's weird, man. It's just uh, my head is spinning. I've just it's really um, lately I've just been insanely busy between work and um just taking care of this new house and just settling in still after we i can't believe we lived here a year and we got a new puppy and um just uh, all this hectic knife stuff and new stuff so it just it's crazy my head is spinning but um yeah man it's been forever how how i what's been going on on the smug uh podcast and stuff too what have you guys been having a lot of fun I, i've been missed out for a long time so it's still John and uh, Jenna are going crazy and talking about movies and stuff all the time. That's right. John and Jenna going crazy talking about movies. I think the last time you were on was uh, episode 15, which is, I mean, I think we're at like, this is episode 83 right now that we're recording. That's crazy, man. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, that's awesome. And you're over there with a dog and a wife and a house. Yeah, I know. It's nuts. That's amazing. And also, you know. The biggest thing which we can finally talk about here, because I, I haven't been able to say anything on the episodes because, you know, I've, I've been dying to say something, but it just hasn't been the right time. But we can make an official announcement here for those listening at home. Uh, yes. If you remember the film Hectic Knife that Greg DeLiso was making, now we can officially announce that Hectic Knife is going to be distributed by, and you want to fill in the blank here? Uh, Troma Entertainment Inc. Fuck yeah, it is, dude. <laughs> yeah, I'm, man, it's crazy. It's amazing. It's, it's I'm so happy. Like this is the perfect home for it. It it really is. I'm really. Uh, it's 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 really. You know, it's starting to sink in. It's it was really crazy because it's like, yeah, I, I actually got uh, Lloyd Kaufman's email address from Rick Harper, who I, I know is a friend of uh, Smug. That's right, great, our uh, boy Rick Harper. We love yeah. Rick Harper here. Of course, of course, the filmmaker to the north from Ottawa, um, making the the Room documentary, which I was cut out of, I have to say, but that's fine because I'll, I'll, it's a good, great movie anyway. So I'll I'll, I'll allow him to uh, leave me on the cutting room floor. That's hey, totally I was fine. I was on the cutting room floor too. Yeah, see, there you go. That's John John D'Amico's in there though. John D'Amico's. Yeah, I know. what's up with that? Yeah. John D'Amico's <laughs> in it, but we both get cut. And I I'm know. One, I'm I was on the sidelines for the Room becoming a thing and i'm the one that told greg sestero to write that that book and everything so no i'm just kidding i'm just making fun of rick though but uh no the movie's great everybody should see that thing too uh, and i'm i'd be excited and interested to hear what's going on with that but um no he gave me lloyd coffin's email address after he saw a screener i don't remember why he had it but it's funny it's like all my life 
I've known people that have like interned um, for trauma and stuff. Like I remember when I was in film school 12 years ago or something, um, my good friend George Gross uh, had Lloyd do a cameo in his thesis um, back then. And like that was around the time I was hearing about trauma because I was really into Cannibal the Musical. Um, and I, you know, I watched a couple of their other things. Yeah, it's, it a, just, it's a rite of passage, definitely. Yeah, for sure. And and the funny thing is Pete was, uh, is, a, is genuinely a huge trauma fan, like from childhood and, and like had collected their movies and had a Sergeant Kabuki Man poster and a Monster in the Closet poster. So Pete was, this is like beyond Pete's dream that not only, you know, he's, he's the co-creator or co-writer, but he also, you know, is like his face is like giant, like front and center on a, on a trauma movie poster now, which is insane. It's amazing. Yeah, it's it's really starting to sink in. Like it just that the whole thing of like the concept of like has it sunk in yet? Like no, it did not sink in for a long time. I don't think it was really until they posted the trailer on YouTube, and I was like, okay, this actually feels real. Like it's not going to just be on a shelf. Like they want to really do stuff with it, and and it's it's just exciting because I just remember you know you look at they send you this like twenty six page long contract. And, you know, we had to like my wife is a is a lawyer, but she doesn't do that kind of law. So I, you know, got her advice. But then we went and spent a couple hundred bucks on an entertainment lawyer. And it's funny, too. I actually so I got this entertainment lawyer and I go into her office in downtown Detroit and she had a um, another smug film friend uh, poster on her wall. She had a uh, um, um, a band called Death poster. Oh, nice. Uh, Shout out to uh, Mark Cavino. Yeah, exactly. So it's all, it all, it's all keeping it in the family here. But yeah, we, you know, it's like I had, we, that took a couple weeks and, and it's just, we were looking at this contract and it's so big and long and there's so many clauses that are like, you know, they can, they withhold this money for this thing, this abstract thing. And, and just like, uh, you know, they, they can do whatever they want with it. They can remake it whenever they want. And they could, you know, there's all these crazy things in there. So you're just like worried and, you know, you don't know, like, it's like, this is, this could be a dream come true, but what if they just want to put it on the shelf and this and that? And it wasn't until I talked to uh, Michael Hers on the phone, um, when he, and he was like yelling at me, like about how, like they wanted the movie and like, what are we talking about? We keep trying to like negotiate this stuff, just sign the thing. So, you know, we finally, it took us like three months, but we finally signed the contract and it's like, you're so drained just from that part of the process. Just right. from just from signing the contract and you know faxing it, finding a place to fax it, and getting all the no, you got to get it notarized and all this stuff. So you just it really takes wind out of your sails a little bit. And it's this other thing. It's like we already spent you know five and a half years making the thing, and now you're just like you know, is this really is this light at the end of the tunnel? Is it really gonna happen and all this stuff? But um, you know, and obviously then you sign the contract, and then obviously nothing. You know, you still wait around for a while. Nothing exactly happens for another couple months. So you're just you're just wondering and everything and we're trying to, you know, keep excited and stuff. But then finally, you know, they, they put the thing on um, on YouTube and, uh, you know, they're giving us drafts of the poster that they're designing for it. And it's actually just starting to become really real. You know, we're having these great conversations with their PR um, woman, this great lady named Elizabeth that works there. And it just it's everything's great. Like I, it's real, I you couldn't ask for a better distribution company production I, I don't even know what to say it's just like they're it's so, it not only is it really exciting and starting to sink in like oh my god i can't believe it you know i'm not even i'm not even 30 years old yet and i sold my first you know feature to trauma like a real company it's so awesome but just um that they're also so cool to work with like it's you know i don't at this point it's like i'm not even thinking about money or any of this other stuff i'm just like you know are we gonna have a cool poster are we gonna have you know visibility on this stuff and it just looks like you know they're excited about it and uh it just makes us excited to start talking about 
screenings and you know getting it reviewed and all this other cool stuff and i like i said before we we started this i don't have any specific um dates or anything lined up yet but just the fact that we're talking about this stuff finally is is really exciting and fun so um yeah man it's it's a dream come true it really is a dream come true i've been waiting for this since i was like six and it's weird to think it's actually happening in some way and it just it really um it really the other thing that it really does is like energizes you for the next project you know i mean obviously we still want to make two more hectic knives so whether it be those or just um you know uh you know um just you know another movie or whatever else you know it's like it just it makes you excited to, to jump into something and and challenge yourself to try to make you know a bigger and better thing you know not that this is the best one we ever made but um you know to just get, get even bigger and better it just it really is inspiring and fun so it's been really fun and i'm really happy about it that's i mean it's just it's it's a beautiful thing i mean i i'm sure the first time you saw a trauma movie you weren't thinking like oh i'm gonna be making one of those one day like it was probably out of your wildest dreams that you'd be a officially and now you you know you're a trauma filmmaker you're yeah, part of it, the trauma family it's amazing i, I know and it's you know the, the crazy thing for me is i grew up a south park fan and um you know so the first and it's you know whether you want to call it a trauma movie or not it's it obviously it is one now but it, and it goes down in history is that but obviously trey parker and matt stone's famous um Campbell the musical right yeah that was the first thing that I had seen and obviously um you know you you go back I went back and started reading about it and obviously like those guys are some of my heroes and so they when they say stuff like oh you know we were you know we had tried the festival thing we had tried to do all this stuff with it and everybody was just like paying attention to clerks and clerks was getting all this like uh popularity on the indie scene and everything and we were just like trying to get our get some attention on our movie and we finally um gave it to trauma and they're just like yeah we like went out to eat. We went out for like burritos or something with Lloyd and he didn't even like offer to pay for us. And we were all excited, like how much money we're going to get. And he was like nothing. And it was just like, it was a big <laughs> eye opener for us, but they were like, we couldn't be happier. And they ended up, you know, being in a couple more um, trauma movies and they always have been supportive of trauma and been fans. And it's just like, um, you know, that opened my, I think I was probably just, I was still 18 years old when I heard about all this stuff. And I was really obsessed with cannibal because it was just, I was so amazed with what these young kids had done, you know, only a couple of years older than I was at the time, um, had done with just like 16 millimeter cameras and, you know, their, their college, uh, you know, spring break and stuff. I mean, obviously a lot more went into it than that, but it was, it was so rich and there was so much happening and I was so excited by it. Yeah. And a very so, unique voice with that film too. Like it, it really, yeah. like okay. the sense of humor it feels like it's their sense of humor. It's like yes. it's how they would joke around with their friends. Yeah, absolutely. And 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 honestly, so that whole exploration with you know me learning about that and reading and um, reading more about the whole trauma thing in the background of Trey Parker and Matt Stone and how they had also done the thing for Universal that short and this obviously the Spirit of Christmas and whatever. But um, it led me to read Lloyd Coffin's book when I was probably like nineteen or twenty. Um, I don't even know if he has multiple books, but I just, I call it the book because it's, uh, Lloyd Kaufman's make your own damn movie. And it's basically just, uh, it's basically just that it's basically just like, you know, look, you can do this for cheap. There are ways to do it. You know, you're not going to make gone with the wind or maybe you are, but like it, you can do, you know, you can do this thing with not a lot of money and actually make something and, and have it work. And, um, we, I just, I really took a lot of that stuff to heart 
And so it, you know, it still took a couple of years. I was still kind of trying to do other projects and build up my confidence and sort of figure out what I was going to do. But Hectic Knife, you know, it, like I've probably told the story a million times and I've written about it and stuff, but it, you know, it sort of came together by accident. But like the way that we made it was definitely very much in the spirit of trauma. I remember, you know, because obviously Hector and I took us, like, like I said, five and a half years to make. I remember in the middle of that, I watched um, of this, that long process. I also watched um, Peter Jackson's like first movie. Um, I keep forgetting what it's called. Is it called Bad Taste? Yeah. Or is it? Okay. The one that he shot like once a week on that on in New Zealand and it's all crazy and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I remember I watched that and I, I watched the commentary. I'd never seen that before. And he was talking about how they only they shot one day a week and they like he had to put together all his resources for, you know, in the middle of the week and then they would shoot it in the weekend. And it took, you know, they did that like once every week for, you know, who knows how many years and stuff. And it was like, that's the exact same thing that we were doing. So it really, um, you know, it, it just, there was an electricity around the project that, um, you know, I had never had before, I think. And it, just to have it come to fruition, like to actually, you know, follow through with it and finally even finish it first of all and climb that mountain. But then, you know, um, that trauma liked it and saw, you know, immediately that it fit in with their brand and their style. It, I, it gets overwhelming. I can't tell you how like excited we are. And, um, it just, it feels like the perfect fit. And yeah, when just, I, it, when I saw that first, uh, cut of it, when you, when you sent that to me, which I guess was still kind of rough. I know you made a couple changes since then. Yeah. It's probably like 10 minutes longer than it yeah. is now. Well, when I saw that, I was like, this is a trauma film. Like right, I, yeah. I, I saw that coming a mile away but it was you know in my wildest dreams you know because we get as as like you know self-financed filmmakers we always get so bogged down with like like oh man nobody's gonna see this nobody's gonna like it nobody's gonna whatever but to me like my ideal scenario was like all right trauma's gonna see this they're gonna realize this is a trauma film it will be a trauma film exactly and, and you think that but you never imagine that it's yeah. actually gonna like happen you that's know that you know thing. that in like a perfect world that's what it would be but you never imagine that you're living in said perfect world you know right right no exactly and it's it's overwhelming that's the thing is it doesn't it really truly did, did not sink in because of that stuff like because of what you just said it didn't sink in for a while but i think you know for me it was seeing the trailer uh, with you know their thing in front of it and the, on their channel and stuff um that's when i was like oh man that's this that really happened didn't it like that's crazy i can't believe that that actually happened like that's that same logo that i saw you know before cannibal music the musical 11 years ago and right I was like, and, oh, and toxic avenger so and yeah yeah yeah, I monster in the closet and just yeah, it's it's crazy. It's 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 really out of control. Well, the um, reason why I think it fits in so well with them is because all their best stuff, in my opinion, each feels idiosyncratic and different. But there's some like weird like glue that like puts it all together. Like Toxic Avenger feels very much just like its own thing, and mm-hmm. Kabuki Man feels like its own thing, and Cannibal the Musical feels like its own thing. But it's like all part of one thing and and yours too. Like your hectic knife movie, it's all stuff that like you think is funny and Pete thinks it's thinks is funny. But that like very small sense of humor that like me and like a couple other people's sense of humor, it just unites it with like all these other great trauma things. Like I I, I do think it's like one of now I could say it's like one of the best trauma films I've seen because now it's now it's technically a trauma film. Well, thank, I, I appreciate that. Thank you for saying I don't know if I could ever say that, but thank, thank you. I pr- really appreciate you saying that. But um, 
No, I think, you know, I, to speak to what you said, I think like that is the great thing about trauma is that it's almost like you could, if you made a huge box set of all their movies, it would feel like some sort of anthology or something where, you know, like they just brought in a bunch of directors and be, were like, here, just make like, you kind of make crazy, you know, meta comedy, nonsense, fart joke, weird things, like just do your thing. And then we'll all put these together. Right. Like it, it feels like there was some more of like such a design to it, which obviously there is there, you know, certainly with, you know, it's all coming through the, the lens of, of Michael Herz and uh, Lloyd Coffin, obviously, but it's just, um, no, it definitely like it, there's a little universe there that it fits into and I, and, and yeah, I mean, we can't, we couldn't be happier to, to feel like we fit in. Cause like you said, it, it literally was just, you know, us goofing around and, and thinking, you know, wondering, you know, making each other laugh while we're writing it and seeing what the dumbest thing we could say is and what we can get away with and all that fun stuff. And, um, yeah, to see it fit into that and, and have them actually believe in it too is, is so great. And, but yeah, I appreciate you saying that. I mean, that's, I, I hope that's, uh, what some people feel, but it's, yeah, man, I, 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 that's, it's amazing. It's awesome. So let's, let's go back to how this happened really, because, like you said, you, you emailed Lloyd Kaufman, and then what happened specifically after that? Uh, literally um, about, I'd say, four days to a week later, no longer than that, I just got another email from an intern um, that was like, hey, we really like it. We want to pick it up. Like that, that was it. Like, let me, yeah. you want me to send over the contract? It was as simple as that. And I was <laughs> like, yeah, sure. Of course. You know what? Of course. And, um, and so what did point, you say in that initial email? I said to Lloyd, I said, hi, uh, you know, my name is Greg Liso. I'm filmmaker, blah, blah. Um, just introduced myself like in one sentence. And I said, I took your advice. I made my own damn movie. And, um, you know, I know uh, Rick Harper of Roomful of Spoons and Tom Seymour from VHS Massacre, which is another great uh, documentary that um, this guy Thomas Seymour just finished. And the trauma is also releasing that. And I sort of knew them too. So I said, you know, I know these guys and I, they've seen, um, and, you know, and everybody, they and everybody else I show the screener of my movie to said it's perfect for trauma. And I, I think that too. So I'd love to send it to you. And, and, um, Lloyd responded oh, and I said it's got I said the movie's got uh blood babes and bagels and then um Lloyd responded with hectic knife sounds like the story of my life send it <laughs> over so of course so I send it over and I have I've that's the only time my whole life I've ever spoken to Lloyd Coffin was that tiny exchange yeah because since then I was thought I, when we when you do the contract negotiation you generally it seems like anyway at least for me I was talking to Michael hers um and then since the contract was signed. Now I'm just talking to uh, this girl, Elizabeth, um, that does their PR. So it's, it's kind of like, you know, it seems like the company, you know, they, it's like you talk to, it's, it seems like Lloyd is out there sort of all over the place traveling and doing his cool stuff and sort of like waving the trauma flag all over the world. Yeah. He's like the and, ambassador. Yeah, exactly. And hers is, you know, sitting there doing the books and then they have other people. It seems like they have a lot of interns coming in and out and stuff. And then they have, you know, I feel like Elizabeth's been there for a while. But yeah, it's it's it was just really, really fast and really kind of mind blowing how that like happened, like really. Quick. And the other thing that I want to say that was that's crazy, too, is like, you know, because Peter and I, you know, this was our first movie and Pete's wasn't a movie person before this, you know, wasn't an actor. And we were just sort of, you know, I always dreamed of making movies. So this is like my dream come true. But for him, he was just, you know, having fun and, and stuff and was excited to do all the music and all that. But, um, you know, we had all along, we still planned, uh, to self, this, this, uh, sorry, self distribute, 
because we didn't, you know, again, never in our wildest dreams would this actually happen the way that it did or happen at all. So we were already planning like, okay, we want to try to do these screenings. And, you know, I've, I've done stuff with like found footage festival. I've I've sort of like done live shows a little bit. So I sort of know like how to do it a little bit and we can do like a press release of our own and we'll just do it on our own. We'll figure out how to do it and we'll just like do it. And, and I gotta say, by the time the five years is up and you've, you're done with it. The last thing that you want to do is like all that work that you don't even really know how to do. And it's cost a bunch of money and you don't, you just don't, it's a big weird, like abyss. You don't know what you're doing and it just, you know, it's really crazy. So, but like, so we geared up, we, it's like we had a plan B and we didn't know plan A was going to just like work out and be so easy. So it's like all the energy that we had for that, we get to just like focus it through this funnel of trauma and it makes it so much better and easier because now, you know, instead of just saying like, Oh, Hey, you know, I made this movie. You want to watch it. I'm just this guy. Now you can be like, Oh, I, you know, I have this movie. It's out on trauma. Like it's immediately, there's a, you know, there's a certain group of people that know exactly what that, that is. So right. it's, it's, it's so much better and it's so cool. Um, and it's just, you know, like I said, again, it's, it's just so cool to work with them because they're so open to, you know, letting us have that kind of freedom to like, you know, give our ideas and work on stuff with them. And, and, you know, they, they want filmmakers that are, you know, active in, in the promotion and stuff, cause it actually helps them. And they, they're smart enough to understand that instead of, a, you know, a big giant company like Paramount or whatever it is that just sort of buy up stuff. And then they either put it on a shelf or they just like, you know, it's, you never, never sees the light day or whatever they do with it. So it's, it's really cool and it's, it's really fun. Also, to, something I want to say is that Hectic Knife is kind of like a local film. Like, it, there's a lot of Bay Ridge in there. Yeah. Oh, and, yeah. But there's also, like, uh, Detroit, too. Like, where yeah. where did you shoot? Where were the shooting locations? Because it was all, like, it all felt very, like, neighborhoody. Dude, it is. And it's so weird. Like, so there was... Pete was walking around in Bay Ridge one day, and he turned and he saw a sign, like a, a window sign, that was said, um, the Center for Dizziness. And it just sounds funny. It's just such a silly, <laughs> stupid, like, what the hell does that mean? The center for dizziness. So, like, we incorporated that into the movie. Like, that's that's the front that Piggly Doctor, the evil villain, like, uses as his uh, lair. But that's, like, the front office kind of thing that he, you know, that where he sees patients, if you will. Yeah. So, so we filmed that, and then I had my our brilliant um my friend uh, this, this is amazing this kid this and my friend he's an after effects uh, artist um down in florida he um painted out all the like words on there so it like it still says center for disney now that's part's real but then all the other text isn't the actual doctor and the phone number and stuff so we could get away with using it right but um it's that place is gone now it's not there anymore oh man so well that's like this- dude that's exactly like storefront new york Yes, it's totally. Dude, tell, like this tell the listeners at home what that documentary oh, yeah. you made. Yeah, well, I made this. I made a uh, man like f- f- uh, six years ago or so, or something around there. I made a back in like two thousand, maybe even older, back in like two thousand nine or eight or something. I made a seven minute documentary about these this uh, married couple that takes photographs of. Um, storefronts in new york basically as simple as that but they're like you know not not just anyone's just like they love the old neon signs and anything that looks old and retro and it's actually been around for a while and they came out with a really popular book um called storefront new york uh, around the same time back then and uh, it's just it's a huge big seller it's a great coffee table book it's full of great photographs and well stuff. it's because these places they disappear yeah, like exactly. yeah, you yeah. blink and they're gone and right, they, no. they it's, yeah. some of these these stores you'll never get 
a, an image of what they look like right, right. W- without these people documenting them like that. So th- that's an amazing uh, coincidence that you actually, unbeknownst to yourself, you you documented this storefront. Yeah, no, it's amazing. And also the one thing that I really love about it is, uh, so yeah, like I said, it was, it was all Detroit and New York. Those are the two, and specifically Bay Ridge. And um, it looks, I, it looks so Bay Ridge. And I think it's oh, something yeah. about like, uh, even though it's black and white, just the, the light that you got, it's very Bay Ridge light for some reason. Like it's no, a, it, the it sun definitely. kind of like just bakes everything and creates these yes. like large patches of light. Do you know what I'm talking about? No, I totally do. And I, and I love it. I, I, I was so happy because we did this really silly montage where uh, Hectic is going back to his suburban family to go visit his uh, estranged family. And um, he's looking at all these houses trying to find the right house in the suburbs. And obviously Hectic's from like the the gritty city, you know, so like all that barrage stuff you're talking about. We filmed that underneath the bridge, the Verrazano um, on 100th Street. So like right at the edge by the water, there's a there are like a couple tennis courts. That's yep. where a lot of that stuff was shot. And that's like really Bay Ridge. But then you go off like a couple blocks away and you in, you're in the houses and the architecture of those Bay Ridge houses is just totally off the wall, man. Like every different architecture style is next to one another. And I just loved shooting all these weird houses. And there's just a montage really quick in there of when Hectic's looking around and you just see like pop, 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 all these different houses. And one of them we call the Mushroom House because it looks like a crazy like video game like Mario house. Like it's just really nuts and it's huge. And then a lot of them have this weird like Spanish sort of style and then there's really gaudy italian like brick houses and it's 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 really crazy how the different um architecture out there it's really cool so yeah and then you know we even um you know the other thing was the that, that's opening. what it's actually called by the way that house the the mushroom house it's like a it's a tourist oh, landmark oh, kind it, of is it really yeah people like drive that's by cool. it and take a look at it it's, yeah, it's it's really cool looking i mean it's really weird if anybody wants to see it just uh Google like Brooklyn mushroom house or gingerbread house. So like people, people have their own like little name for it. But if you Google that, you'll see it. That's funny. Dude, yeah. we just started calling it the mushroom house. We had no idea that was like a thing. <laughs> yeah. That's Cause that's funny. what it looks like. It looks no, like, of course. it looks yeah. like a house com- comprised of like a bunch of like Goombas from Mario, just like yeah, placed next to each other. Yes. Um, yeah, the opening scene of the movie was shot in the, just in an alley in, in Detroit, not in anywhere like super dangerous. Like we sort of made sure of that, but it was definitely, you know, like a gritty, like alley kind of thing. And then, uh, like the campfire scene was literally just my backyard. My dad helped us, uh, light a campfire and we just did that. Um, so yeah, it was all over, but it was all, it was all Detroit area and, uh, Bay Ridge. That's where we, that's basically just where we lived at the time. And, and also obviously the whole end fight is you know supposed to be and i don't even know if anybody notices or cares at all but it's an obvious homage to uh um the warriors because they have the the end fight scene of hectic knife takes place at coney island right obviously so there's that whole thing too but yeah and it was fun you know shooting at coney island was actually fun nobody bothered us at all we just shot there and there's actually this one shot in the movie one of my favorite jokes is like there was just this jamaican guy using a metal detector and we just told him to say um, Hectic Knife and Piggly Doctor are going to fight now. And he just said it, you know, in his crazy accent. You can't barely even understand him. But we just that cut is like really quickly just in the movie. <laughs> it's abs, you know, just nothing. Just more silliness. But um, yeah. I, I just love that you, you documented Brooklyn in a way that wasn't the, you know, the safe, boring ways that Brooklyn tends to be documented. Like if you're watching girls or if you're watching like any of these like rom-coms that just like 
you know, focus on gorgeous Brooklyn homes that cost like millions of dollars, et cetera. Like there are these very safe areas of Brooklyn that are just always documented. And it's like, fuck, like Bay Ridge is fun. Coney Island is fun. Like it, it almost, it almost needs to be documented in like standard def. Right, like right, it, right. There, there are areas of Brooklyn that just look like standard def. Well, like, that's what I was going to say. Like, it, it looks like, it looks like, you know, like, especially for someone suburban, like what, what me and Pete are, you know, we grew up in the suburbs of Detroit, you know, very far away from any kind of danger or any kind of, you know, like any, just, just any kind of city looking anything. So to us, like, you know, being under a bridge or whatever, like it looks so like gritty and like CD and all that. But yeah. the funny thing is that it's, it's Bay Ridge. So it's not, so the silliness of it, like, it really makes, I mean, it's, it's not, it wasn't necessarily always purposeful, but it's just like Bay Ridge really fit perfectly as like this silly neighborhood where these like dumb crime things are happening because it just kind of doesn't like make, it just doesn't make sense. You know, it's just like a weird neighborhood. Um, oh, I should point out too, there's a, there's a great shot of hectic in the beginning. It's like the, the first like hero shot that you see of him that comes up when the voiceover starts in the beginning and it's on this roof in um, Williamsburg. And I actually, this is a weird thing. So my first paying gig as a director ever, I was 18 years old. It was 2005. And me and my friend Mark Breeze uh, were going to shoot and make this uh, music video for this rap group in Williamsburg called the Reservoir Dogs. Um, but obviously they spelled it all like not like the movie, but right. uh, yeah. So um, so we did this video and they had this roof there that was like amazing. You got this amazing view of the Empire State Building and all this these different views of the city and Brooklyn and everything. And the guy, uh, one of the guys in the video, his real name is actually Mike Patton, but he goes by King Napo as his rapper name. But he, uh, this guy, King Napo, he gave me the door code to his building. So I could go up there whenever I wanted if I wanted to get shots for music videos or for whatever else. So I've actually gone up there on top of that. I actually still have the door code in my desk. Awesome. I, 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 um, I, I've gone up there a couple of different times to do like time lapse stuff of the sun and the city and everything. But that's where we went for hectic. So it was like this weird, just like perfect kind of thing. Like, you know, save everything, save every little access point because you never know when going to come in handy. Like that was, you know, another five years later and here I am you know, get, getting this whole door code out so I can go up on the roof just to get one shot of hectic. Yeah. You gotta um, always save those door codes in life. It's yeah. like a, it's a metaphor, Yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> when you encounter door codes, save it. Yep. That's the lesson. Yeah, man. So it also kind of reminds me, uh, now that I think of it, of like how, uh, in, um, that film pie, Darren Ar Aronofsky's pie, yes. yeah. like that, that, was a, felt, that was a big one for me as a kid. Yeah. That felt like very neighborhoody and black mm -hmm. and white and gritty. Where, was that, where does that take place? Park I, I want to say it was like sunset park. Okay. Cause there was yeah. like that, like Chinatown crossover to it. Like I right, remember right. maybe it was Chinatown in Manhattan. I can't remember, but yeah, um, you could be right. It could have been Manhattan. I, I don't remember either. Yeah. yeah but yeah, it, it just Manhattan. nailed some aspect. Like it was just like, Man, like you look at that and it's like, yeah, that's what it looks like. It just looks standard deaf and black right. and white. Well, well, funny, funny that you mentioned that because obviously, as as you know, us film geeks all know, so Pi was shot on um, either sixteen or Super sixteen, you know, but it was it was Tri X reversal stock, so it's really contrasty. Um, you get those really rich blacks and those really white whites, and you get some good grain in there and stuff. And very specifically, Hectic Knife was designed by me to to look like that on purpose because I really I, because this was my thinking. 
I thought, okay, we're going to make a feature movie, but it's going to be an SD and it's going to be the shape, like that square shape. So what, what can I do to sort of uh, distract people away from the fact that this is SD and make it stylistic enough to where it's not like, you know, super distracting, but it, it looks like a movie of some kind. So I went for the black and white, um, you know, sort of high contrast thing. And it was very much, uh, you know, my thinking was very much with that uh, that Tri-X reversal film stock. And the interesting thing is that, so a couple of things. First of all, this, that 60 millimeter Tri-X reversal film stock was actually the same kind that I had used at the New York Film Academy. Um, not that we use that in for Hector Knife because I shut on the Panasonic DVX, obviously, and, and SD on, you know, on tape. But um, just the fact that I had sort of used it before and I had a little bit of an understanding of where the blacks are, how black they're going to be and what I, you know, what I want it to be like. That helped a little bit. But then the the last sort of part of it for me was that even when we were really well lit, um, especially indoors, I would turn the gain up all the way even or when we were even outside and then I would stop it up a little bit so that it would, you know, it would be the right uh, aperture. But uh, but I would up, up the gain to get the grain to be actually in on the tape because I wanted the grain to be mostly natural. I didn't right. want to add like a fake grain to it. So the other funny thing, though, is that the DVX was the first camera to do 24p, but it was also the first camera that was digital that was designed specifically to look just like 16 millimeter film. So I've actually had people think that Hectoknife was shot on 16 and it's because the DVX looks so 16 millimeter already and you had that 24 P feel to it. And then I just, the black and white. And then with the addition of the grain and the high contrast, it really, to me, it really um, has like an authentic older 16 millimeter, you know, exploitation kind of movie look to it. Totally. Um, that I was going for like very much on purpose. And I think that come, I, you know, I hope it doesn't, obviously it could be a hack and, who cares? And it's all shitty. But I just mean like that was that was the point. Like, you know, if you think about movies like um, like uh, like if you think about like a like a bad print of um, the Beatles, Hard Day's Night, something like that. Yeah, that's like sort of the look or even like a Dr. Strangelove or something like those have less contrast. But, you know, the, the contrast of pie, but sort of the quality of those movies and the shape of those movies, that's like what was important to me. Um, and I hope I hope the movie geeks appreciate it because like. Apart from that, everything else is kind of making fun of every movie ever made. But that that's the one part where I actually tried to, um, you know, put something nice in there for the, the geekdom crowd. Well, you and I, we grew up watching those like 16 millimeter, sometimes black and white things like Pi. We watched yeah. that on, on VHS. Yeah, exactly. And, and so like, do the right thing or even yeah, we're, yeah. we're very used to seeing 16 millimeter on VHS. And that's that's basically what Hectic Knife looks like. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And that was very purposeful. That was the one thing I really put care into, like to make it look that way. Cause I just, I just, you know, the whole thing is like, I, you know, sometimes it was funny. I, if you turn the color correction off for a second and there happened to be a day, cause it was kind of cool. Like I didn't really have to worry about color timing it at all. So I didn't have to white balance cause I didn't really matter what the color was. It did the black and white erase that but sometimes if it just looked nice you'd like turn off the black and white and you'd see it in color and it's just like oh man this looks so cool like i wish we would have made the whole thing in color because it <laughs> looks so awesome but uh that'll be definitely the sequel will be in color i want to i actually want to do a thing literally in the opening of the sequel where like the movie starts in black and white but then like the screen expands and, and like it opens up to like an hd color shot like it starts to like morph into you know it takes like 10 seconds or something but the whole movie like widens and morphs out into color like gradually like shot by shot 
but uh, something like that. Anyway. Yeah, that but, could be really cool. Yeah. So I know but, you got to go. Uh, so yeah. I guess we should close out with just telling everybody how they can find out about Hectic Knife. I know your your website's now up. Yep, website is up. So just go hecticknife.com. And then, um, you know, if you're on YouTube, you just, or Google or whatever, just search Hectic Knife. It'll come up. Um, you know, the trailer is up on the Troma YouTube channel right now. Um, it's only got 447 views and 20 likes. So let's get those numbers. Uh, yeah, man. We can. Yeah, come but, on, um, smug film listeners. Let's bump up those numbers. Yeah, yeah. But uh, no, seriously, though, I mean, it, it's just, you know, it really is a dream come true. And I just, you know, I can't, I, it's it's amazing and i just i'm so you know i'm so thankful to pete and everybody that that was in it and worked on it and helped on it so much i mean to, for five years pete and i you know stuck with this stupid thing and i'm so glad that uh we did because you know we both had a lot of fun making it and i really i just I, at this point all i can say left is i really hope that people get it and like it because you know I, i'm trauma is is happily standing behind it and i'm really proud of that and i just uh you know i hope it resonates with um some of the trauma heads out there and, and beyond. So yeah. But yeah, uh, I think, yeah, I think people really like it. I mean, everybody here at smug film that's seen it, we all really like it. We all think it's funny. So, uh, I yeah, think man, I'm, I'm waiting for some reviews too. I want to, uh, we got to get, I want John to, uh, critique it and point out all the, you know, do a side by side of all the shots that I'm copying and <laughs> all that good stuff. You know what I mean? But I mean, I'm just kidding. He doesn't have to do anything, but I'm just, but, uh, no, I'm really happy about that. I appreciate that. And, uh, you know, I definitely, I thank you for having me on too. And I definitely want to, you know, want to be on more and, uh, we should have Pete come on and stuff as hectic or not or whatever. And, um, you know, I got, I got to start writing for you guys more. It's just like I say, my head's been spinning with the puppy and the new house and everything, but, um, I will get back on the horse at some point. That's a promise to everybody out there. And I've said it, you know, on the live or whatever this is. So now it's got to happen. But, um, does that no, puppy I have a name by the way? Matthew. Yeah. Matthew. Mm -hmm. Brian. We have two collies, Brian and Matthew. They're both tricolor collies. That means they're the black ones with the white, uh, stripe around the neck there. Um, and they're really beautiful boys. Brian is 11. He's getting older and Matthew is just six months old and he is my little baby. Shout out to Brian and Matthew. Yep. And uh, yeah, I'd love to have you back, man. So whenever you are available, come on. Yeah, and I want to get back on with John and Jenna and stuff too and have, you know, round two or whatever we're calling. I know I got a lot of hate <laughs> fans out there. And that's the other thing. To all my uh, hate fans and haters and people who disagree with all my stuff, hey, please uh, watch Hectic and, you know, you feel, feel free to hate on it. You can hate it if you want. Uh, that's more than welcome. Um, just as long as you, uh, you know, leave a comment or whatever and express that, I'll be more than happy to throw it away. <laughs> <Whatever you want. laughs> All right, man. It's always great talking to you. It's been too long. Yeah, dude. And, uh, yeah. hopefully it won't be long again. Hopefully you'll be back soon. Yeah, man. All right. Sure. Take care, everybody. Yep. You too. All right, that was Greg DeLiso. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for uh, supporting the show on Patreon. If you support the show on Patreon, if you don't, you probably should because it's a great way to support the show. And uh, thank you for uh, always listening. Thank you for always checking out the Smug Film Podcast. Sorry, this is a bit of a shorter episode, but Greg had a bunch of stuff that he had to do and we had to fit this in and we, we fit it in as much as we possibly could. And uh, definitely check out uh, hecticknife.com. Check out Greg DeLiso's movie. It's really funny. I think you'll get a kick out of it. I think when you watch a trailer, you'll uh, understand the vibe of it and all that. And I think you'll see that uh, 
it could be a funny movie and it is a funny movie so uh when you can actually check out the whole movie please do so thank you all for listening see you soon bye bye